and welcome to the Thinking Humans podcast. I'm Christine. And I'm Carolina. And we're part of the intelligence team at Dentsu International. At Dentsu Intelligence, we love understanding humans, all the interesting things they're doing now and all the crazy stuff they're going to be doing tomorrow. We're seeing so many changes in the way people interact with each other, their communities and brands. Central to this is, of course, the influence of tech, our communities and also the companies and the brands that we're dealing with every day. In today's podcast, we're going to chat about a category that is being completely transformed. And that is wellness. Carolina, you've been doing some research on this sector and you're going to help us understand what the future of health is and what the future of well-being is going to look like. And most importantly, how brands are going to have to prepare for the change in consumer expectations that will inevitably follow. Lately, I've been really stuck by the change in approach to wellness, particularly during COVID. Recently, I saw that the University of Sydney was launching a mental wealth initiative. So not mental health, mental wealth. And, you know, it was all about the emotional wellness of Australians. And that's a much more proactive approach to mental health rather than reactive. And on a more commercial note, I've been hearing that wellness tourism is also going to increase in Australia. I think, you know, something like 12% a year over the next 12 years. So I definitely have a sense that this sector is on the brink of transformation. You're absolutely right. It's a space just bursting with change. I think we need to start by acknowledging the fact that the last few years have been crazy. Between the floods, the bushfires, and of course, COVID, we became just so aware of how vulnerable health and wellness really are. But I will say this as well. Even before the pandemic, the health industry was already undergoing significant change. And this was only accelerated during the crisis. It comes down to the fact that And that's a very common theme in many of the different industries we've been exploring lately. We are living a time of profound transformation. It's not a time of change. It's a change in times, really. And that's why we felt so strongly about the need to go out and explore what the future of wellness and health would be. Okay, this is fascinating, Carolina. What are the trends that are driving the transformation of wellness? Before we jump into wellness, I think we need to consider some of the social and cultural changes that are happening. For instance, there has been a lot of talk about our aging population, as it should, because as we grow older and live longer, the needs of society change. So what we can expect is some of the preconceived notions we have for senior Australians to really be broken. And we will see this rise of the silver economy, which is essentially this older demographic being more active and reinventing their role in society as citizens, at work, as active members of the community. And this is not the only stereotype that we'll be breaking. We're actually looking at new gender norms. We have the expectation put on and felt by men in society is no longer what it used to be. And that's valid for women as well. And we're really just broadening the spectrum of genders and of sexuality and everything that comes in between. And with that, we also have some new beauty standards that are being put into question. 
especially with social media, questioning some of those norms and making us stop and reflect, should we be pursuing these unrealistic beauty standards? Is that fair? And actually doing the reverse and saying we should be embracing all body types and we should be more inclusive into what we celebrate and the fact that that should come from within. And that includes health as well. So it's more around being healthy than it is about conforming to some of these norms. So when are we going to see everyday Australians change? When are we going to see those beliefs really start to translate into everyday life? This is already happening today. So we already hear a lot of the public debate centering around diversity and trying to be more inclusive, especially of minorities. And that's really being driven by younger generations, especially. And even beyond that, there is also this growing impatience with climate change and with sustainability being one of the key topics we can expect to dominate the public debate in the next 10 years, a lot of that will really change. It's essentially this growing transformation of people from consumers to activists in a way. The focus will really shift from what we own to the values we hold. And we can start to see some of those changes already playing out in the way that we live, can't we? Oh, absolutely. Because we can't be all talk and no action, right? So the way we live will absolutely influence how we perceive ourselves and how others perceive us as well. This is going to factor into that sense of identity. A simple example of that is how environmental concerns are already leading to a higher adoption of plant-based diets, for instance. And in fact, Densu released a global research earlier this year that found that by 2030, 45% of people believe that red meat will be seen as equally harmful as using fossil fuels. That's huge. Yeah, that's amazing, isn't it? Absolutely. And that's basically because there will be more intent behind what we do, behind everything we do. From where we live to how we work, all the way to how we travel. Like you were saying, with this rise of uh, wellness tourism. So this is really going to encompass all areas of life. And we can't ignore the impact that the pandemic will have mm, as well yeah. on behavior and lifestyle. When basic needs felt so at risk. And by basic needs, I mean health, job, social connections, those things that feel really essential to us. Yeah. And in a decade born in the midst of this chaos, we'll see priorities being reassessed. There's no other way. And we'll focus on health like we never have before. And health in itself will gain a completely new meaning in our lives. So this widening of the health spectrum is only natural, I guess, especially as we start to see mental health issues, particularly during COVID, become so much more prominent, so more widely discussed. People are more willing to talk about mental health issues. And I think when we look at the data behind mental health, it's really significant. When I was looking at the health department data, it was telling me that one in every five Australians which is about 4 million people, right, are suffering from a mental illness in a given year. And, I mean, that just blows my mind. And what I also learned was that half the population will suffer a mental disorder at some time in their life. And it's crazy to think that such a, a serious issue is really just 
being addressed in the public forum the way it is, that it's becoming more acceptable for people to talk about it. It's beyond critical, right? But that is exactly why we should expect with mental health gaining more momentum, we will see this increased focus on mental resilience, psychological treatments, increasing self-compassion as well. We've been hearing a lot of debate about toxic positivity on social media. That's only going to grow. And in times of financial pressure that come with a crisis like what we just had, what we're just going through, people will pursue personal purpose within self-identity, spirituality, connection to others, and so on and so forth. People are really seeking this sense of control over their current and future lives. That's always an impact of a crisis. We've seen this in the past already. And part of this will really be around cultivating some healthier habits. And again, just looking at health in a broader sense. A much more holistic approach. Absolutely. We are moving from this idea of health being just about the physical and focusing on mental, social and spiritual wellness as well. We'll move from this idea of a healthy lifestyle without illnesses being the norm for health and towards well-being as holistic dimensions of a well-lived life. So it's more all-encompassing, really. And in turn, we'll see us moving beyond how the individual feels and towards how they exist in society. And that's why we needed to start this conversation by approaching some of those social changes that we're seeing and how we're redefining our sense of identity, really. We will see more and more people focusing on improving their connections with others, their impact on the planet, as well as keeping themselves as individuals healthy. Yeah, do you think that alternative medicines are going to play a larger role now? We're going to see a wider acceptance of those? Absolutely, as they are tools for wellness, right? Alternative medicine and some of the most holistic approaches are really big at the moment. Plus, in the next 10 years, we can expect to see a boom in the likes of cannabis and a new wave of psychedelics as they are seen as different ways to tackle some of those issues that we have when we face challenges with mental health, with social health, and with spirituality as well. So this is only projected to grow in the next few years. And the same will happen with the lines of food and medicine blurring more and more. We'll see this body positive movement, like I was saying before, taking us from this concept of the well body being lit and ripe all the way to being healthy and strong and resilient. And resilience is a really key word here because it really shows this underlining trend, this underlining need for security, right? Well, when thinking of what we expect for the body and what we'll do in terms of physical exercise, we will look more into prehab rather than rehab and place more importance in being immersed in the activity rather than being drained by it. So you mentioned before sustainability and, in, and the environment, and I think we're becoming more and more aware about the impact that they're going to have on us instead of being separate concepts that sit outside the way that we live. Tell me more about their role in overall wellness moving forward. 
we're already seeing shift in the way we eat, right? Just based on environmental concerns. And out of it is coming this rise of plant-based diets. And with that, we're also relying more on superfoods that promise this whole range of effects on the body. And with health becoming more a symbol of success, which is something that comes from this recessionary mindset, as we track down the recovery of COVID, we'll see people as consumers having access to an unprecedented volume of information. And they have really taken and will continue to take an active interest in their well-being and empowered by that higher influx of information, they will become more willing to self-manage. Again, this is already happening. If you think about the last 10 years, how many times and how many of us have wrongfully relied on Dr. Google uh, to sort something yeah, or to... Yeah, haven't we just? <laughs> exactly. Um, we shouldn't be, but we have. And... This is really creating a higher level of expectations on us as consumers. So we'll seek brands, selected brands that can act as our main lifestyle partners. And they really become this integral part of our everyday lives and spending. So, Carol, I think one of the things that also came out in the Dentsu 2030 research was this prospect of almost every brand needing to be a health brand. And that goes back to, you know, what you talk about when you're saying that consumers are going to select key brands to act as their main lifestyle partners. And we're going to see, we're going to see more of that. I mean, if you think about the way that we're all taking more responsibility for our individual health, and there is definitely um, action from the government to try and make people more responsible for their own health. If we look at the emphasis on private health cover and encouraging people to take more of a preventative approach to their health, I think we can safely say that the age of preventative health is upon us. And now we've got the tech to help us do that. We've got the tools to help us do that. And I think what the last two years have taught us is that there is a much different outlook and a much different approach to health-life balance and the role that the environment plays and the role that, that climate change is going to play as well. It's not just about diet and exercise anymore. So we're already starting to see all of this happen already, aren't we? Can you give us some examples of how this is happening? Just look at Microsoft or Samsung or Apple. In fact, each and every major tech player is already entering this space and they're coming out with new products and new services that tackle those needs. And it's really not about tech and health being fused together. In its broader sense, every brand will indeed need to be a health brand because they will be made more accountable for the well-being of its customers. 
If we look at some examples unrelated to tech, we have Westfield coming out with the Westfield Destinations 2028 concept, uh, which really demonstrates how retail environments can change to incorporate wellness and community-focused features into their proposition as well. And this can include the likes of smart toilets that can detect hydration levels and nutritional needs, all the way to sensory hanging gardens, so it can provide provide really that sense of well-being as customers are in that space. So with all of that tech and that interaction with location-based tech like you're referencing at Westfield, that's going to need data, isn't it? Yes, yes, yes. This is going to increase the pressure for brands to use data in a smarter way. And if this is already heating up the space for health-related brands, imagine what's going to happen to the ones that are already playing in that space. Consumers will share richer personal data in higher volumes by 2030, even more than what we do today. And with AI and analytics at the center of customer experiences, consumers will really demand hyper-personalization and hyper-immersion. And if we think about it, with smart devices and analytics, people will have more control over their health because they will be empowered by information. And in turn, they're also going to expect more control over the data that they're sharing and the value they're getting from the exchange. In the coming decade, data control will become a more central part of everyday decision-making. And this is really going to change consumer mindset uh, that will see data shift from business to consumer-led control in the next few years. And this higher-than-ever influx of personal data and the advancements in technology are leading us to an explosion of innovation that is geared towards upgrading our cognitive and physical capabilities. We're seeing the emergence of these new forms of biohacking, which is a term that encompasses technology like brain-computer interfaces, brain-microchips, exoskeletons, and a lot of things that sound too futuristic. But the foundation for this future is already being laid today. In our Denso Global research, we found that a third of people would consider having a microchip put into their brains to improve physical senses, improve life expectancy, or to learn a new skill. I could totally do that. <laughs> well, but that's it. Empowered by the right tools, people will want to tailor a whole range of aspects for them. Diet, for example can be tailored to their unique biological characteristics. And this is not only to prevent medical conditions, but also to get a leg up as citizens. And this means a new divide for health, as not everyone will be able to afford some of these upgrades. So all of that sounds really expensive. Like when you start to talk about microchips going into the brain and all of the, all of the other sort of tech and devices that you're going to need, how are those that are less well off actually going to engage with wellness if they're locked out of it by the cost? Well, not everyone will have access. For those who do have access, uh, we will see them seeking innovation and hyper-personalization. Uh, for those who don't, 
they will be looking for empowerment through information, through more holistic sources of well-being. And if we look at the gap between those who can access and those who cannot access a whole range of wellness tools, it's already critical today. While 6.2 million Australians spend an average of $780 per year on a gym membership, one in 10 people do not have time to exercise or to cook healthy foods and do not earn enough income to be able to afford fresh food or a gym membership. And this all came from ABS back in 2018. So imagine how it's going to track as we go further into the future. So essentially, when we think of who will have access, they will be seeking innovation and hyper-personalization uh, to really get that leg up as citizens. And for those who do not have access, uh, they will try to be empowered by information and try to seek some of those holistic tools that we talked about. Carol, do you think brands are going to be in a position to democratize wellness, to make it more accessible to those that can't afford it? I do, because it comes down to trust at the end. Before, we had health as this authoritative truth. So we relied on official sources like the government or the health industry to tell us what to do and how to go about it. Now we have more of a fluid approach in which wellness is this personal truth. Uh, we're very influenced today by the people we look up to, and that can be family members, friends, content creators on social media. And next will be well-being becoming a felt truth. It will be intuition backed by science that will really guide us. And if we look further down the decade towards 2030, we'll see well-being becoming immersion and hyper-personalization in a time where super transparency is demanded from everyone involved in our lives, especially brands. <laughs> That's all so amazing. If we bring it back to brands, how are they going to take advantage of the opportunities that exist for them? What should they be doing to support the evolution of, of wellness in Australia with their customers? It will be more and more important to understand our sense of identity and how that's evolving. And only through that, we can really celebrate each consumer in their uniqueness and make sure that that's something placed at the very core of every brand initiative. And as we track further into the next decade, uh, brands need to be prepared and smart in how they manage and leverage data. That's just going to be mandatory, really. And we'll see efforts towards integration with new technological devices, investments in analytics, able to handle adaptive audience profiles and segmentations that can really evolve in real time, as well as a growing need to incorporate true hyper-personalized experiences into the products and services that are being offered to consumers. Carol, take me to 2030. What does 2030 look like in this space? As we reach 2030, we need to be ready to face a really complex scenario in which how well a brand and its marketers 
leverage advanced technology like AI and machine learning, or how much they invest in research and development of product innovation will be key. This will really define their place in the competitive landscape. It's going to be extremely important for brands to form strategic partnerships, um, either with some big titan brands, uh, titan brands, brands that offer super functionalities uh, that expand beyond just their traditional core service uh, into new areas. The most likely to become a titan brand today are the likes of Amazon or Alibaba. If we think about it, they've been tapping into new territories that they weren't 10 years ago or 20 years ago. And But it doesn't have to be just Titan brands. Brands will need to just form partnerships with non-traditional partners. And through this collaboration, they will be able to develop new services and remain relevant. Carol, thank you so much. You've given us so much to think about as we move through the next decade. I hope that any brands that are listening really take advantage of everything that you've said to help plan how they're going to adapt as health becomes, you know, really central and core to the way that they build relationships with their customers. Everyone, we hope this podcast sparks some interesting ideas and discussions as you look to the future and make your plans for consumer centricity. For further information about our work at Dentsu Intelligence, head to our website at densu.com slash au. And if you enjoyed this episode and you want to help support the Thinking Humans podcast, share it with others, post it on social, or you can leave us a rating or a view. If you want to chat to us more, then you're quite welcome to reach us via Dentsu Intelligence at Dentsu.com, or you can follow the link in the show notes. Understanding humans is what we love to do. So let us know your thoughts. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.